1: Hi there and welcome again to the Defender Bible Study. This is Rick Morton coming to you from Birmingham, Alabama. Today is October twenty fourth, two 2022 and we're continuing our study in the book of Genesis. Um, today we're going to pick up in chapter 30 and take a look at chapters 30 and 31 um, of our continuing unfolding of the book of Genesis. And uh, today we get to um, see the birth of the bulk of Jacob's children as well. Um, We see Jacob begin to with his family to begin to make the move um, back to uh, the land of Bethel and back to the land that he's that he's come from to the to the land of his father, Isaac. And so um, today, uh, this is another continuing kind of messy part of the story and and we see a lot of the uh, a lot of the strife a lot of the humanity a lot of the sinfulness that has um, that rears its head in the dynamic of uh, Jacob and Rachel and Leah and their family as um, as they, uh, continue to grow as a family. And so we're gonna pick up in, in chapter 30. It begins by, it says, when Rachel, uh, when Rachel saw that she bore Jacob no children, she envied her sister. She said to Jacob, give me children or I shall die. Jacob's anger was kindled against Rachel. And he said, am I in the place of God who who has withheld from you the fruit of the womb? Then she said, here's my servant Bilhah, um, go into her so that she may be, give birth on my behalf that even I may have children through her. So she gave him her servant Bilhah as a wife, and Jacob went into her, and Bilhah conceived and bore a son. And then Rachel said, God has judged me, and he has also heard my voice and given me a son. Therefore she called his name Dan now we see right here in the in the very beginning that um the continued trials and travails of jacob and his family are um, laid right out here in front of us Um, we we see a conflict between um, jacob and rachel and and rachel her envy being kindled up against her sister uh, because her sister has been able to bear children she hasn't been and, and one of the things that I would just point out in in this section as we talk about the the children of Jacob and the way that God um, built Jacob's family is that um, God has not changed his standard at this point in Genesis chapter 30. Um, marriage was presented to be between one man and one woman for one lifetime. That's God's ideal. That's God's pattern. Um And that hasn't changed because the pattern of the people has changed to become something else. And so what we really see here is the tail of a lot of a lot of strife, a lot of envy, a lot of infighting, a lot of um, posturing, a lot of backbiting, a lot of pos- people trying to um, to leverage themselves and their relationship in order to increase their importance or in order to to get their desires met. And and what we uh, we just can see that this is a this is a logical conclusion and and something that should be expected when we mess with the created order and the thing that God has um the thing that god has designed and and i think today even as we're in our um in our culture today as we struggle uh, around the um the, the redefining of marriage as we as we struggle with the redefining of the roles of male and female and and struggle with with gender um, the, it, it's a good reminder to us that um, God's God's design and God's ideal doesn't change no matter what the the winds of culture may say. Um, and that when we choose to do things outside of um, God's expressed will and out of out of His good design, there are going to be consequences, and there are there are going to be um, th- th- there they're going to be things that are going to happen just as a result of taking those things into our hands, um, and and many many unintended consequences. Uh, Rachel, in this, you know, in in this matter, she lashes out against Jacob because um, because she is um, she's grieving the fact that she's not been able to have a child. She also acts um, pretty manipulatively in in the way that she pursues um, having a child, and and we see this kind of adoption surrogacy thing happen when she gives her her servant. Um, to Jacob, in order to bear her a child, she's she's kind of she's asking her servant to stand in her place. And when it says that that Jacob took the servant as a as a wife, it doesn't mean that he takes her as a wife like like Leah or Rachel. What what the Bible means is is that he that that he he committed an act with her that that's supposed to be saved for only being between um, men and their wives. And and so therefore. Um, Th- there's there's a bond of sacredness that is broken there. Ultimately, um, Rachel thought that when Dan was born, that that ultimately she was she was justified. That this was God justifying her, and that she was justified in her actions because her actions somehow um, gave her what she believed she lacked and justified her before God. And and I, y'all, I think this is just a, a great reminder for us to to remember that that's that's the sin nature that we have at the core we want to justify ourselves before god um, ultimately on our own merits and without god and that's that's the great sin of of omission and the great sin of commission um, that we're we're trying to enthrone ourselves many times in our sin and 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 what we're trying to do is we're trying to to live life without god when when god is saying it's impossible um, for you to live life without me, and it's certainly impossible for you to please me um, without me and without my work. So we'll continue on, and, and, and then in verse 7 and 8, And Rachel's made Bilhah conserved again and bore Jacob a second son. Then Rachel said, With great wrestlings I have wrestled with my sister, and indeed I have prevailed. So she called his name Nephtali. Um, and so the name Naphtali actually means um, to wrestle, and and this is this is sort of her, um, you know, having a little bit of a touchdown dance here, saying, "Look, I like I have prevailed, I have won, I have given Jacob sons," and and it's this unhealthy rivalry uh, between Rachel and Leah that is is dominating Jacob's home, and I'm sure making things incredibly miserable. Well, then what do we see? We see Leah um, then begin to try to step up um, her game. It says, when Leah saw that she had stopped bearing, she took Zilpah, her maid, and she gave her to Jacob as wife. Um, Leah's maid Zilpah bore Jacob a son. Then Leah said, a troop comes, So she called his name Gad. So in other words, um, Leah then tries to rub it in Rachel's face and names her her son. A troop comes, or or like the the coming of of, of an army. She basically is saying that with well, you have two children born by your maid, but don't forget um, that that I have a, a much greater number of children, and and that my good fortune has provided children for Jacob. It says, then Leah's maid Zilpah bore Jacob a second son, and, and Leah said, I'm happy for the daughters will call me blessed. So she called his name Asher. In other words, um, Asher, the name Asher means happy. Um, and so, um, so here is, is Leah basically flaunting this in front of Rachel and, and is, is trying to convince herself that she's happy. Now there's this really strange kind of, Thing that happens, verse fourteen to eighteen, it says. Now Reuben went in the days of the wheat harvest and found mandrakes in the field and brought them to his mother Leah. Then Rachel said to Leah, "Please give me some of your man, son's mandrakes." But she said to her, "It is a small matter that is it a small matter that you have taken away my husband? Would you take away my son's mandrakes also?" And Rachel said, "Therefore," um, and Rachel said, "Therefore he will lie with you tonight for your son's mandrakes." When Jacob came out of the field in the evening, Leah went out to meet him and said, You must come to me, for I have surely hired you with my son's mandrakes. And he lay with her that night, and God listened to Leah, and she conceived and bore Jacob a fifth son. Leah said, God has given me my wages, for I have, I have given my maid to my husband, and she called his, his name Issachar. Now um, this is a little bit strange, but the um, the mandrake is is like the root of a plant, and and it's called by by in Hebrew the literal meaning of the the word mandrake or, or the way it's translated is is love apple. Um, uh, essentially, these were thought to. Um, Increased fertility in women, and so this is essentially Leah going to or Rachel going to Leah, um, saying, "I want some of your mandrakes because she's wanting to get back into the competition of providing um, children for Jacob." And so they barter this deal. I can only imagine what it felt like to be Jacob in the midst of all of this chaos. Um, and so Leah goes in and 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 like buys uh, the time with with Jacob. Jacob goes into her as his wife, and she becomes pregnant, and so she has um, this child named Issachar, which means, quite literally, reward. And so Leah really saw this as um, as a reward from God, um, because it, and, and she believes it was because she was generous enough to offer her maid um, to Jacob. Then in verse nineteen and twenty, then Leah conceived again and bore Jacob a sixth son. And Leah said, "God has endowed me with a good endowment. Now my husband will dwell with me because I have borne him six sons." So she called his name uh, Zebulun. Zebulun literally means dwelling. So she's you know in in the pain of her heart as as she you know waited for her husband to really truly love her and to live with her. She's really banking on that just the sheer quantity of these six sons that she's provided, and that that ultimately is going to um, that's that's going to going to cause Jacob to want to uh, turn his affections toward her and to want to um, to want to, to live with her. Um, we we see that that doesn't happen. Verse 21, she has a daughter. Then verse 22, um, Rachel herself finally bears a son. It says, then God remembered Rachel and God listened to her and opened her womb. Um, And and so ultimately, um, like God is is causing something to happen that he hasn't allowed to happen before now. It says that she conceived and bore a son and said, God has taken away my reproach. So she called his name Joseph and said, the Lord shall add to me another son and and so um, Joseph literally his name is means may he add um, and and that that ultimately you know she is she is now believing that everything is complete and that she ultimately has won the affections of um, her husband. Now we, we move into verse 25 and following and, and and we see that Jacob is beginning to recognize that it's time for him to go back to the land of Canaan. It says, it came to pass when Rachel had born Joseph uh, that Jacob said to Laban, send me away that I may go to my own place and to my own country. Give me my wives and my children for whom I have served and let me go for, you know, my service, which I've done for you. And Laban said to him, please stay. If I have found favor in your eyes, for I have learned by experience that the Lord has blessed me for your sake. Um. Some transgressions say, or some translations say even that that Laban recognizes that through consulting um, idols that that it's been revealed to him that the one true God is with Jacob, and so then he said. Um, Name your wages and I will give it. So Jacob said to him, you know how I've served you and how your livestock has been with me. For what you had before I came was little and it has increased to a great amount. The Lord has blessed you since my coming. And now when shall I also provide for my own house? So he said, what shall I give you? And Jacob said, you shall not give me anything. If you will do this thing for me, I again will Feed and keep your flocks. Let me pass through all of your flock today, removing from there all the speckled and spotted sheep, all the brown ones among the lambs and all the speckled and spotted among the goats. And these shall be my wages. So my righteousness will answer for me in time to come when the subject of my wages comes before you. Everyone that is not speckled and spotted among the goats and brown among the lambs will be considered stolen if it is with me. And Laban said, oh, oh, that it were according to your word. Um, and and so so we have this promise where we're essentially um, Jacob says I you know I've done I've done well for you I've, I've I've enriched you and and what I would ask is that you take the speckled and the spotted and, and the brown um, sheep and goats and and that you would allow me to have those the the ones that are you know that are that are less pretty the ones that are blemished and so then here's what Laban does so so Laban says well that's great i think that's a i think that's a fair deal and so then it says verse 35 so he laban removed that day the male goats that were speckled and spotted all the female goats that were speckled and spotted every one that had some white in it and all the brown ones among the lambs and gave them into the hands of his sons then he put three days journey between himself and jacob and jacob fed the rest of laban's flock so in other words um, for those of us that you know had that One lesson in high school uh, biology and genetics, let's just kind of understand what's going on here. So Laban essentially takes all of the striped and speckled and, and brown and marked up lambs and goats, and he basically removes them from the herd so that Jacob doesn't get any of the animals that are speckled or spotted. And it's an effort ultimately for him to use uh, genetics to to be able to not have to give Jacob anything. But what we know is that that Jacob ultimately is uh, is a man of God, and he ultimately trusts in the Lord. And so, what Laban intends again for evil um, in, in in creating a hardship for Jacob in order to try to enrich himself, God uses for something completely different and good and so in verse 37 now jacob took for himself rods of green poplar and the almond and chestnut trees peeled white strips in them and exposed the white which was in the rods and then the rods which he had peeled he set before the flocks in the gutters in the watering troughs and where the flocks came to drink so that they should conceive when they came to drink so the flocks conceived before the rods and the flocks brought forth streaked and speckled and spotted then Jacob separated the lambs and made the flocks face toward the street and all the brown in the flock of Laban. And he put his own flocks by themselves and did not put them with Laban's flock. And it came to pass, whenever the stronger livestock conceived, that Jacob placed the rods before the eyes of the livestock in the gutters that they might conceive among the rods. And when the flocks were feeble, he did not put them in. So the feebler were Laban's and the stronger were Jacob's. Thus the man became exceedingly prosperous Prosperous and had large flocks, female and male servants, and camels and donkeys, and so, in other words, J- Jacob begins this plan to, um, and and he puts these these branches in front of. Uh, the sheep and the goats, and I don't understand this. I don't think any of us understand this. But what we do understand is that that there's something supernatural going on here that God is doing, and and God's given Jacob the insight to be able to do things with selective breeding, and and to be able to. But he's given him the increase. He's given Jacob the stronger animals, and and he's given him a plan in order to be able to. Um, to work hard, um, to, to create wealth for himself while um, doing everything that he said that he was going to do for Laban down to the, to the very last detail. And and ultimately, God doesn't prosper Laban through this, but He does prosper Jacob. And I think the reason that He prospers Jacob is not um, is, is because of Jacob's heart being inclined toward Him, and the fact that the the purity in which he's gone about doing the things that he's done that that Jacob ultimately has been a man who's kept his word and has tried to reflect the character of God and and so then we see in in verse 1 of chapter 31 now Jacob heard the words of Laban's son saying Jacob has taken away all that was our fathers and from what our and from what was our fathers he has acquired all of this wealth and Jacob saw the countenance of Laban and indeed it was not favorable toward him as before so ultimately Laban is finally realizing that God is with uh, Jacob and that Jacob's outsmarted him and the sons of Laban are gra- are grumbling because because ultimately they're seeing d- Jacob's hard work pay off they're seeing that God is blessing Jacob and they're seeing that that their that their fortune is less than it should be because of the way that God has chosen to bless Jacob it says then the Lord said to Jacob return to the land of your fathers and to your family and I will be with you and that in verse 3 really encapsulates this entire um this entire two chapters, because ultimately Jacob has acted in such a way that he's always wanted to be with God and ultimately wanted to follow um, the direction of God. And when God finally gives a personal direction to Jacob, Jacob obeys it without question. It says, so Jacob sent and called Rachel and Leah to the field, to his flock and said to them, I see your father's countenance that it is not favorable toward me, but the God of my father has been with me. And you know that with all my might, I have served your father yet your father has deceived me and changed my wages 10 times but god did not allow him to hurt me if he said thus the speckled shall be your wages then all the flocks bore speckled and if he said thus the streaked shall be your wages then all the flocks bore streaked so god has taken away the livestock of your father and given them to me jacob's saying look i didn't do anything to to try to trick your father as as a matter of fact it's just the opposite he's done everything that he could to try to trick me and to change things and ultimately i've not demanded anything of him um, but ultimately god has given me the increase So in in verse 10, it says, And it happened at the time when the flocks conceived that I lifted up my eyes and saw in a dream, and behold, the rams which leaped upon the flocks were streaked and speckled and gray-spotted. And then the angel of God spoke to me in a dream, saying, Jacob, and I said, Here I am. And he said, Lift up your eyes now and see all the rams which leap on the flocks are streaked, speckled, and gray-spotted, for I have seen all that Laban is doing to you. I am the God of Bethel where you anointed the pillar and where you made a vow to me. Now arise, get out of this land and return to the land of your family. And so Jacob um, Jacob begins to, to set about to obey um. Obey God. And then Rachel and Leah answered and said to him, is there any portion, this is verse 14, is there any portion or inheritance for us in our father's house? Are we not considered strangers by him? For he has sold us and also completely consumed our money. For all, for all these riches which God has taken from our father really are really ours and our children's. Now then, whatever God has said to you, do it now rachel and leah are both looking at this with eyes that are not focused upon god and so rachel rachel and leah are basically saying look all this belongs to us so yeah sure let us go because our father our father has sold us to you our father hasn't done right by us either Um, and they're completely missing the point of, uh, of of god's intervention of god's protection of god's providence and ultimately god's sovereignty And so then Jacob arose and set his sons, beginning verse 17, and his wives on camels, and he carried away all his livestock and all his possessions, which he had gained, his acquired livestock, which he had gained at Padanaram, Aram, to go to his father Isaac in the land of Canaan. Now Laban had gone to shear his sheep, and Rachel had stolen the household idols that were her father's, and Jacob stole away, unknown to Laban the Syrian, in that he did not tell him that he intended to flee. So he fled with all that he had. He arose and crossed the river and headed toward the mountain of Gilead. Verse 22, and then Laban was told on the third day that Jacob had fled. Then he took his brethren with him and pursued him for seven days' journey, and he overtook him in the mountains of Gilead. But God had come to Laban the Syrian in a dream by night and said to him, Be careful that you speak to Jacob, neither good nor bad. So then verse 25, so Laban overtook Jacob. Now Jacob had pitched his tent in the mountains, and Laban with his brethren pitched in the mountains of Gilead. And Laban said to Jacob, What have you done? That you have stolen away unknown to me and carried away my daughters like captives taken with the sword. Why did you flee away secretly and steal away from me and not tell me? For I might have sent you away with joy and songs, um, with with timbrel and harp. And you did not allow me to kiss my sons and my daughters. Now you have have done... Foolishly in, in so doing, it is in my power to harm you, but the God of your father spoke to me last night, saying, Be careful that you speak to Jacob, neither good nor bad. And now you have surely gone because you greatly long for your father's house, but why did you steal my goods? And so Laban Laban comes out and he, and he basically says, "Look, why did you leave? I, I would have I would have held a party for you. I would have been excited for you to leave. Why is it that you stole away and you didn't even give me a chance to hug my daughters and kiss my grandkids?" And 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 Laban you know uh, takes this role of, of being an offended party here, um, when ultimately his his track record and all that we know of the way that he's dealt with Jacob is that at every opportunity he's he's taken an opportunity to manipulate Jacob, and when God finally gave Jacob release, um, Laban was offended that he didn't have one more opportunity to be able to, to try to manipulate Jacob and ultimately to try to slant things in his favor and and to try to enrich himself. And it says, in Laban went into Jacob's tent, into Leah's tent, and into the two maids' tents, but did not find them. Then he went to Leah's tent and enter, went out of Leah's tent and entered, entered Rachel's tent. Now Rachel had taken household idols and put them in the camel's saddle and sat on them, and Laban searched all about the tent but did not find them. And she said to her father, Let it not displease my Lord that I cannot rise before you, for the manner of women is with me. And he searched, but he did not find the household idols. So here in verse 33 through 35, we see that, that the heart of Rachel is still not inclined toward God. Um, she still is trying to manipulate and, and trying to get what she wants and she's still not telling the truth. Um, but then in verse 36, then Jacob was angry and rebuked Laban. J- Jacob had had enough at this point. And Jacob answered and said to Laban, what is my trespass? What is my sin that you have so hotly pursued me? In other words, Jacob's saying like all I have done is, is listen to and obey uh, the voice of God and all I've done is to work hard for you. "'Although you have searched all my things, "'what part of your household things have you found? "'Set it here before my brethren and your brethren "'that they may judge between us both. "'These 20 years I have been with you. "'Your ewes and your female goats "'have not miscarried their young, "'and I have not eaten the rams of your flock. "'That which was torn by beast I did not bring to you.'" I bore the loss of it. You required it from my hand, whether stolen by day or stolen by night. There I was. In other words, Jacob is saying that, that like, I, I paid the bill for everything. I worked hard for you, and I owe you nothing. Um In the day the drought consumed me, and the frost by night, and my sleep departed from my eyes. Thus I have been in your house twenty years, served you fourteen years for your two daughters, and six years for your flock, and you have changed my wages ten times. Unless the God of my father, the God of Abraham, and the fear of Isaac had been with me, surely now you would have sent me away empty-handed. God has seen my affliction and the labor of my hands, and rebuked you, last night so he he essentially tells Laban that he knows that God um, that, that God stands opposed to him and that ultimately that Jacob is in the position that he's in because because he's followed God and he's obeyed God and God has blessed him it, it, and Laban answered and said to Jacob, These daughters are my daughters. These children are my children, and this flock is my flock. All that you see is mine. But what can I do this day to these my daughters or their children whom they've borne? Now, therefore, come let us make a covenant, you and I, and let let it be a witness between you and me. So Jacob took a stone and set it up as a pillar. Then Jacob said to his brethren, Gathered, Gather stones, and they took stones and made a heap, and they ate there on the heap. Laban called it... Um, um, something I'm not going to try to pronounce, but Jacob called it um, Galid. And Laban said, this heap is a witness between you and me this day. Therefore, its name was was called Galid, also Mizpah, because he said, may the Lord watch between you and me when we are absent from one another. If you afflict my daughters or you take other wives beside my daughters, although no man is with us, see God is witness between you and me. And, and so ultimately, Laban completely disregards what he had heard from God. And and he's basically says, look, all of this, the, the 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 your your wives, your children, your livestock, everything that you have, it's mine. But out of the co- kindness of my heart, I'm going to let you have it. Even though God said to him, don't say anything positive or negative to him. Um, and, and God certainly um, let Laban know that he was ultimately the one who was the protector of, of Jacob. Um, you know, this idea of of Mizpah, we see these Mizpah coins sometimes that are that are used as jewelry and, and they have this verse or have part of this verse on them um, that says, may the Lord watch between you and me when we are absent from one another. Um, really, you know, like in modern times, we've kind of let that almost carry the, the connotation of a blessing. This was anything but a blessing. Um, this was this was a severe parting of the ways. And basically what, what the pillar of Mizpah meant is it was drawn a line. Line in the sand, and it was a pact to say that if you cross the line, I'll kill you. Um, if you cross onto my side of the line, I'll kill you. And if I cross onto the line onto your side of the line, I should expect to be killed. This was not an amicable parting at all. Jacob and and Laban were, were parting ways, never intending to see um, one another again. And and so Laban said to Jacob, "Here is the heap, and here is this pillar which I have placed between you and me. This heap is a witness, and this pillar is a witness that I will not pass." Beyond this heap to you, and you will not pass beyond this heap and this pillar to me for harm. The God of Abraham, the God of Nahor, and the God of their father judged between us. And Jacob swore by the fear of his father Isaac. Then Jacob offered a sacrifice on the mountain and called his brethren to eat. And they ate bread, and they stayed all night on the mountain. And early in the morning Laban arose and kissed his sons and daughters and blessed them. And Laban uh, departed and returned. To his place, and and so what we see in the midst of these two um, <clears throat> these two chapters is just an incredible story of um, of, of of strife, a, an incredible story of lying and deceit, and people trying to. Um, to, to by crafty means get their own way. But the thing that we see that shines up out of the middle of this passage is Jacob. And Jacob's resolve to follow God, to be a man of integrity, to do those things that would please the heart of God, even in the midst of a family where where no one else is 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 really trying to pursue God and where everyone else is trying to take care of themselves and 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 trying to enrich themselves and to make themselves more important and more powerful. Um, and, and, and so we see that ultimately that. That we can trust in God's sovereignty, we can trust in uh, in God's provision, and and ultimately that we can trust uh, to to do things uh, according to the, the the will of God and according to the word of God. That God will protect and that God will guide. And that doesn't mean that circumstances won't be tough. It doesn't mean that we won't walk through hard days. Jacob testifies to walking through twenty years of of hard days and uncertainty, but ultimately he learned that he can depend upon. Uh, the Word of God, and that God ultimately is not going to leave him, um, and and God is not going to forget him. Um, This week, we'd like to ask you to uh, to pray with us for Lifeline's church partnerships. And so one of the privileges that we have uh, as a ministry is to be partnered with churches here in the U.S. and around the world um, to do a variety of things, because Lifeline exists to equip the body of Christ um, to manifest the gospel to, to vulnerable children. And so, we pray that 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 we would be used of god to help to raise up uh, adoptive families and foster families within the church and that the church would would care for and meet the needs of vulnerable children and vulnerable families in ways that put the gospel on display um, we, we pray that we would be used of god with our church partners to to be about the work of family reconciliation through through ministries like families count where we have the opportunity to be able to to, to Help the church and empower the church to minister to families that have, that have experienced brokenness, um, and ultimately to help them to seek healing and reconciliation um, through the through the gospel of Jesus, but also within um, the the state system that they may be in, so that they might be reunified with their children and that their families might be made whole. <clears throat> we have the opportunity to be able to partner with churches here in the U.S. and with churches abroad to be able to bring those churches together so that we can do orphan care um, in our community and around the world in ways that put the gospel of Jesus on display. And so we would love nothing more than than to Um, to be able to work with more churches. If you're in a church out there and you need a partner in order to help your church to be able to care for orphaned, vulnerable children, and you need someone that you can trust that's going to do that in a way that magnifies and amplifies the gospel, that's who Lifeline wants to be. And we want to pray this week and ask you to join with us in praying for our church partners, for those that we already know and those that we're already working with, but also to help us by praying that God would connect us with more churches and build the network of churches that we would be able to um, care for more and more um, adoptive or more and more children in need of adoption, in need of foster care, in need of care by the body of Christ, and and, and that we'd be able to care for more families that find themselves in positions of vulnerability um, to the glory of God. And so thanks again for joining us on the Defender Bible Study. Uh, We look forward to next week meeting you back here again Uh, and the opportunity to be able to to share with you as we continue in our study of the book of Genesis.
0: Thanks again for joining us for the Defender Bible Study. If you enjoy making this podcast a part of your weekly routine, we'd love for you to take a moment to subscribe, rate, and review the Defender Bible Study to make it easier for more people to find. For more resources and information on how you and your church can partner with Lifeline, please visit us at lifelinechild.org. Follow us on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter by searching for Lifeline Child. You can email us directly at infolifelinechild.org. We look forward to seeing you again next week for the Defender Bible Study.